Hello, Internet. I'm Finn Ross Russell. I'm Alexandru Meek. And I'm Natalia Anderson from Tuneful TV. And this is The Question. Salutations one and all, and welcome to the newest ESC Insight offering. This is The Question, where we are answering your questions from a panel who currently don't know <laughs> what that question is going to be. But we'll get into that a little more later. Uh, for now, let's meet the panel. Joining me first on my left is the wonderful Alexandru Mick. Thank you for the invitation for this podcast. I've never done a podcast, so I'm very curious how this is going to work. <laughs> I do tend to talk a lot, so I don't know. Good. <laughs> Talking a lot tends to be quite useful for an audio-only format, so I am definitely very, very supportive of that. And joining me on my right is a wonderful Natalia from Toonful TV. Hello. Thanks for having me. Is this... Uh... This isn't your first podcast recording, is it? You're quite experienced no, on this. I'm a podcast veteran. <laughs> I'm a podcast veteran. I know all about podcasts. We're going to get to I the also end of talk recording. a lot, Alex, but uh, I'll, I'll leave most of it to you, I think. <laughs> we'll see if we agree on the answers because then, then we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes. Here's hoping, here's hoping. Right. Um, it's a good opportunity now to introduce the format of exactly what we are doing here. So, all of you from our lovely uh, social media followings in various different places have submitted questions to us all about the Eurovision Song Contest. I, as my role as host, have chosen one, um, but I've not told Alexandra and Nat what that question is. So the responses that you're getting are going to be completely fresh and completely live. Um, thank you, everybody who submitted to us. And without further ado, let's get to the question. <laughs> So, Philip from our Patreon has asked, what does each country want to achieve from Eurovision when they enter? Now, obviously, that's a really big question, and there are about 40-odd countries to go through, so we're not going to do that. But it got us thinking because M. Barabarasing from Instagram also asked, is hosting Eurovision a business or a burden for the host nation? And so what I'm asking this lovely panel today is, how would a successful uh, Eurovision hosting for RAI at Turin 2022 be defined? Wow. That <laughs> is That's a question. <laughs> How, well, look, don't, don't, um, don't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Get, I mean, for me, um, I don't know, I think successful... I, I my husband works in an events background and he puts on a lot of huge events. I'm really trying to get into work for Eurovision somehow, getting in there with the EBU. Um, but so for me, like successful um, and a successful Eurovision Song Contest is something that would look really great, really slick, all the moving parts coming together. Um, whenever I think of events, I just think of everyone who works there. So not just the people that you see on stage, but like the stage managers, the sound engineers, the lighting people. Um, and and that's why I love the Eurovision so much, because it's just the best of the best. It's just the best show on earth where the top people from their respective industries are getting to show what 
what is possible and including in terms of like technology and staging um so yeah so i think as long as um as long as they are um they don't even have to be sort of cutting edge i think as long as they're really creative and really um you know really think about how it's going to look and come across i think they've got to have a lot of uh, issues in terms of security in terms of like i don't know with uh covid situation they're gonna have to take into account that sort of thing um but yeah i'd just be pleased if it just goes smoothly <laughs> I would have gone pretty much on the same idea when you said security, because I think the number one thing the, overall, just don't have guys going upstage to show their butts. If you manage to stop <laughs> that from happening, it is a pretty good show. But then also beyond all the technology and the way it would look, I think it depends a lot on the actual songs. And I know that this is not part of like, the hosting country, they're not the ones doing that. But if you have a year where the songs are either all similar or maybe not so interesting, or you can try to pump it up and make it nice, but the fans would know that because they wouldn't have like the big fans, like the favorite songs. And that would make um, a big difference. But talking about that, I do like stages that are kind of like, because I'm a big fan of the stages, I do not like the huge ones if they make if they make the artists look like they've lost. Like they, they are just mm -hmm. like somewhere like in a market and they have no idea which way the pharmacy is. So we had like <laughs> stages like that before and I thought they looked so sad, some of them up there. But then there are songs or performances where that actually fits, where you would have like this one diva in the center of the stage and she's all alone in the darkness. But then some songs are supposed to be all poppy I still remember even now, I think it was Bulgaria, where we had a, a very popish song. I forgot the name of the, the artist was like that lady all dressed in white with the white boots. And she was singing like what everything year? was. I think it was 2011. Oh, you're thinking Pollyanna. Then it's not 2011. And it's 2012. <laughs> I yeah, think it's 2012. Baku. Yes, the one in Baku. So in 2011, Azerbaijan won. 2012, they hosted. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> so in 2012, because that stage was huge and they had all the, even now I remember, and I thought it was kind of sad. Uh, the artist was like trying to be also exciting and whatever, but then they, she had fireworks in the back, but no dancers, nothing. And literally she was just like lifting the rooftop. <laughs> like it was not... It looked a little bit sad. So you should be able, I think, the organizers, because at this point it is about the guys that are organizing that, to make a stage that would kind of work with what the artist wants. I mean, I'm not sure how far this goes on the organizing side, but um, I would like them to be to fit. Also not to be crammed. We've had that too. So is yeah, it entirely what... down to the stage then? It's entirely down to the stage. Um, in terms of the way that we experience the performance, not not necessarily. I think it, I think it just gives an extra element for even those who aren't super big Eurovision fans and maybe aren't there for the songs. They can enjoy the spectacle, and and I think the staging has a lot to do with that. Like when we look at when we see sometimes there's like LED screens and stuff like that, and things. 
I think last was it last year when um, you know the staging can help to give the artists and their team the creativity. And I'm thinking about um, Greece last year. Uh, they did that sort of um, green screen. They had people in green, didn't they? Stefania, yeah. Stefania. Uh, yeah. What was that song again? That was a big tune. Last oh, dance. That song. <laughs> Last dance. With the green screen, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And the creepy, the creepy guys that didn't look like they have any yeah, faces. So, I, but the thing is, they tried it with that, didn't they? But it didn't quite pull off, I don't think. But then also I'm remembering Ireland and they sort of made it small, didn't they? Remember? And they had like um, kind of, I think they were trying the to do almost things. like a stop motion. Yeah, like yeah. the shadows and, and, and sort of handmade and it didn't work for the... big screen so on either end you've got stefania doing like a big thing where you needed like the um the backdrop so that she could look like she's climbing the stairs or that she's hovering or something do you know what i mean and then that didn't quite get pulled off but then also the small um version of what island did didn't quite Um, make it either so yeah I suppose there's got to be that sort of balance but then it, I, I suppose it's up to the individual um, creative teams of uh, the artists to choose what is best to fit in the space I think to zoom out a little bit as well we have to remember the last time we had a proper in-person Eurovision is going to have been three years ago by the time we actually get around to May. And even that, that was in Tel Aviv, which for everything I hear about how well it was hosted is still quite a long ways away. And it was quite expensive to get to. And, and there was, you know, plenty of other stuff going on around that. And so in a way, I actually think the bar for RAI is, well, not necessarily low. I don't want to phrase it like that, but there is a lot of potential for this They to be a contest that everybody remembers. Page. Yeah, they've got a clean slate almost. It's like exactly. having a clean slate, starting from, you know, some fresh ideas uh, without having to be compared to coming directly after Tel Aviv. And um, yeah, it could be a good thing. Do you have like a favorite year that you think they did a very good job? Because I'm very curious if people, I have a specific year that I think was the best year, but not a lot of people agree with me. I really like 2016. I like everything about that show. Yep, 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 yep. Exactly the same. <laughs> And I think I watched 2016 as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that really worked out... 2016 was such a good year. Was that Salvador Sobral? No, that was um, Jamala in Stockholm. Jamala won that year. Oh, yeah. Jamala. So, so 2017 was Salvador Sobral. Yeah. Okay, Jamala won that year. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the thing that really That's worked about 2016 is it was the perfect blend of... a city and a country that absolutely adored the Eurovision Song Contest, a venue that was iconic and memorable and already had a bit of Eurovision history with a stage that gave the performers a lot of potential to be able to go and do different things with it. Hosts who were both Eurovision legends in their own right and who had absolutely incredible chemistry between the two of them. And then a winner and a voting sequence that kept you guessing right until the very end. So I guess to kind of bounce off what you were saying there, Alex, if, if Italy can take even, you know, some of those elements and bring them together, they've got a successful uh, Eurovision coming. 
but is it me or do I feel like, I think like this is like a vibe online right now. Everyone remembers the last time Italy hosted. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of darkly wishing that they will blow it again, just so um, they can laugh and make memes out of it. I really hope it doesn't happen, but I did catch this vibe a little bit everywhere. Like people kind of say, do you remember back then? And they always bring it back to all the fails with the phones, with the uh, moderators or whatever you call them, commenters, presenters. So I hope that's not going to happen. I did see Laura Paulsini. I have high expectations. And then it's Mika. So I, I think they're going to be a lot better. But I, I don't want them to fail. But I feel like people do want to see a fail. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I don't think they want the show to be bad. But I do think they want those moments where they can say, oh, they've messed up. <laughs> they like to point that out. And I hope that Italy this time is just going to kill it. Because mentioning about Sweden that they um, they really care about Eurovision and they love Eurovision. Uh, I do feel that right now Sweden and Italy are fighting for like the best results pretty much now in the in the last years, especially since Italy came back and Sweden pretty much always. Um, and maybe Italy will try to like show off a little bit Sweden. It's like we can be better hosts. It's definitely true that there's so much chat about that 1991 contest and the things that went wrong during it, which I definitely think is a bit unfair because every country that's hosted Eurovision has had its own mix-ups and its own issues at some point. But yes, I agree with you, Alex. This will be a fantastic opportunity for our AI to finally be able to, to kind of move on from that reputation that they've had from that contest all that time ago and say, here is something we're going to deliver that feels much more slick, that feels much more fresh, that feels much more what is representative of modern Italy. And I think we've already seen in their uh, attitude to hosting this contest that they are taking it very seriously. Any more for any more? No. Okay, well, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this initial episode of The Question. If you have enjoyed it, please let us know. Give us um, your comments, your likes, your shares, your subscribes in all of the usual places. Um, that would be fantastic. Speaking of all of that stuff, I believe you guys also have your own channels that it might be a good idea to mention. Yes, we do. And my channel is just my name, Alexandrumik. Pretty much what I do there are reactions and commentary about Eurovision acts, but most important, what is the best thing, I always invite what I call Eurovision virgins. They're usually Americans, they have never heard of Eurovision, and I just make them watch the craziest acts, the worst acts, and the best acts, and their reaction is just priceless. So I would recommend you to go take a look. Ah, uh, just wait till you set the Americans on Give That Wolf a Banana. <laughs> That'll be a good day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find me, Natalia, over at Tuneful TV on YouTube. I also do reaction videos. Uh, I look at all the songs every year and I give my unique uh, perspective and take on the music that I'm hearing. And finally, if you have enjoyed this episode and want to continue supporting the wonderful work we're doing at ESC Insight for the price of a coffee shop coffee per month, head to patreon.com slash ESC Insight, where you can support all of the stuff that we are doing there. Right. You all know what it's time for. The guitars. <laughs> 
This episode of The Questions was hosted by Finn Ross Russell with Alexandra Mick and Natalia from Tunecool TV. This was an Unlife production for ESC Insight. For more information, head to escinsight.com or patreon.com slash escinsight to support the work we're doing.